0: Our First Baptist Family's mission statement is to follow the Lord Jesus Christ and to lead all others in a joyful life with Him. And to fit very closely with that is our theme for this season, Go and Tell. We hope everything that we provide, all the resources, encourage you, equip you to do just that. Go and tell. What is prayer? Stale tradition? Ritual? A good luck charm? Part of some religious checklist done to appease a higher being so we can get what we want, or at least avoid the lightning bolt. Prayer has been redefined and twisted and confused, but at its essence, prayer is simply talking to God, the God who spoke the universe into creation, who gives us life and breath who holds all things together, this God wants us to talk to Him. In the vastness of all that exists, He actually cares about us, personally, individually. How can we not pray to such a loving God? This morning, we're gonna continue in our series on prayer. But before we get there, I'd love to share with you a little bit of what's happening in our church family. A few weeks ago, um, I started something that I'm calling, Did You Know? Um, And so this week, I wanna introduce you to a ministry that is ongoing on our church family called Fostering Together. So, Did You Know? We have a monthly ministry where we minister to, bless, caseworkers, foster families, and foster kids. And there's a lot of opportunity for you to get involved in that. I am so grateful that we have a church family that is blessed in the way that we are blessed to be able to take care and love those who are right here in our city. So we have opportunities to volunteer once a month. Uh, We have various Bible study groups and small groups taking care of caseworkers, just letting them know that hey, we know what you're doing. We know it feels like you're alone, but we wanna encourage you and support you in the work that you're doing. You can become a licensed babysitter and we can even help you get connected to a foster family that could benefit from someone coming alongside them. We want to love foster families and meet foster need. Did you know that we do that? Well, now you do. Also, a few weeks ago, we launched something, um, a prayer initiative and campaign that we just don't want to last a few weeks, but uh, to last uh, and be a part of what we're doing in our church family in this city called Bless Every Home. It's a challenge for you to literally pray for your neighbors and move towards them with the hope of engaging them with a the gospel of Jesus and it 's this cool app you can download, and many of you have already done that, so when we first launched this, I want you to see how many lights in the neighborhoods we had in the city. This is where we started we 're supposed to have this it's not it 's not up okay, we do not have an image for this, um, so let me t- let me tell you uh, so. Essentially, what we've been able to do is get the information of how many of you have actually downloaded the app and have begun praying for your families. And that number has gone from uh, a handful to over a hundred homes in the city that are praying for their literal neighbors. Um, And obviously the number of prayers uh, and praying for neighbors has more than tripled. And we'll help you see that next week when we get that image up there working. Uh, lastly, I want to let you know that our women's ministry is having a brunch. Um, oh, wait a minute. Okay, this is, this, is, this is where we started. And do we have the next slide now? We're still, there we go. There we go. So, hey, let me encourage you, if you haven't signed up, it's a simple app that lets you know who's around you by name and encourages you to pray for your neighbors and even provides you an actual prayer you can pray over that's based on the word of God. All right, lastly, Women's Ministry Brunch is July 8th. Come be a part of that. Um, It'll be encouraging and a lot of fun. Well, my name is Danny. Danny. I am one of the pastors here at First Baptist Church and have the privilege of preaching in this worship space. If you're new here with us today, we want you to know we're just delighted that you're here. We think it's a pretty cool thing that you chose to walk in through these doors and worship with us. Um, And if you're with friends or family today, we're just grateful that you're here. We would love to know that you are here worshiping with us and you can let us know digitally by going to fbcsa.org slash connect would invite you to do that even now and our mission here in the first baptist family is to faithfully follow the lord jesus christ and lead all others in a joyful life with him and we want to be more faithful to that mission statement every day every week and every year as we grow as a church family and learn how to love our neighbors as ourselves. We would encourage you to continue to give through this church family and joining him in what he is doing in the city and the world. So let's talk about prayer. Would you stand with me and we're going to read our verses for today Romans chapter 8, verses 26 through 27. Let's read these together. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Father, we pray that you bless the reading of your word. But more importantly, we pray by the power of your spirit, you give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and feet to put these words into action in our life and our church family. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen. These words in Romans chapter 8 are really intended to encourage these new believers in Rome who are in a whirlwind of a new life. So I want you to know from the outset that the goal for us today is for you to be encouraged regarding regardless of the circumstances that you're facing in your life. The word of God reminds us that you can be confident in what God is doing and you can be encouraged You know, the worst part of a round trip journey is the return trip home. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I mean, you just want to get there, right? You just want to get home. I mean, you're ready for home. You're tired. You just want to see your family and you want to sleep in your own bed. You know exactly what that's like. When you first start the trip, maybe it's an adventure, you're with other people, you're like, I'm on the plane. (laughs) <laughs> I'm on the plane. It's kind of cool. The return trip home, you're like, I'm on the plane. It's just not the same. You're like, when you get first get on, you're like, wow, I'm going to be on here eight hours or maybe 18 hours. You're like, I can watch any movie I want for the whole trip. On the return trip, you're like, I saw everything I wanted to see. What's left to do when you first get on the plane, you're kind of like the little inconveniences you're fine with. The lack of legroom, maybe, or the person next to you. The return trip, mm mm. Those inconveniences are like glaring hammers. And you might tolerate the food the first time around, but on the return trip home, it's not so fun. You just want to get home. In some way, these verses capture that same sentiment from Paul when he says, I get how you're feeling. I get how you're feeling about your circumstances. I get how you're feeling in regards to how things are, have changed, and you just want to get where God is taking you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 26, where we begin today, it says, the Holy Spirit helps us in that weakness or in our weakness. In particular, what kind of weakness is Paul referring to that the Holy Spirit helps us in? What is he talking about? Well, all the surrounding verses kind of point as to what kind of weakness Paul is talking about. If we go back as early as to verse 12 of chapter eight, Paul has been talking about this new life in the Spirit that if you are... If you are a child of God, if you put your faith in Jesus, who's the son of God, who died on the cross and rose from the grave, victorious of sin and death, if you fell in love with him, put your faith in him, now walk with him, you have the spirit of God, and the spirit of God now frees you from bondage of sin. But what that means is you're now in a daily battle with sin. And so we see that in verses 12 And following, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do anymore, because you now have the Spirit. Verse 13, for if you live by its dictates, the flesh, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. What is our weakness? Well, here's our weakness. According to Paul, our weakness, this side of eternity until Jesus returns, is that, yeah, we still suffer now. In fact, in verse 17, um, Paul will say, we will share in his glory. We must also share in his sufferings. Paul is talking about suffering and our weakness. We suffer now. And our suffering, what is he talking about? Our suffering is the daily battle against sin and temptation that we find in verse 13. And then I think also is expressed in verse 17. How do we suffer with him? We suffer with him by daily fighting to say yes to the leadership of the spirit in our life and putting death to deeds of the flesh, the temptations of the flesh. And until Jesus comes back, that's the battle. That's the daily battle saying, I'm gonna say yes to the spirit of God and I'm gonna say no to the temptations of the flesh in my life. And the good news is the gospel gives us the freedom to do that. That's the freedom that we have in Jesus. We're no longer condemned by our sin and our sinful nature. But because we're children of God by faith, the Spirit of God now frees us to go to war against the flesh and to say yes to the Spirit and the life in Jesus. We also suffer from the consequences of sins, the sins of others. I mean, people sin around us all the time. Some of you know those consequences to a greater degree. Until Jesus comes back, we're not only wrestling with our daily battle of sin and temptation to yield ourselves to the Spirit of God every day, but we also suffer from other people's sin. It hurts. We deal with those consequences and the consequences of our own sin. We, we suffer under a broken creation of sickness and floods and fires and we still suffer and that's what Paul is talking about you have this weakness you live in a world where you still suffer it's very real and then he says while we suffer while we fight this fight of faith we wait and we groan he uses these words several times if we go back up to the beginning of verse 18. It says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. And against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glory, freedom from death and decay. For we, we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And then verse 23, and we believers, those who are weak, those who are suffering with Jesus, and we believers also groan. And of course, then we know also the spirit groans. We groan as we wait. All of creation groans as the creation waits for the sons and daughters of God to rise from the grave. And we groan as we wait as well. I remember one time I was flying home from Germany back to the United States. I was a freshman in high school. And um, some of y'all might know this story, but um, there was a blizzard in New York. I was in New York City and um, we had to stay there. We didn't know how long we were gonna stay there, but we slept on the floor for over three nights. Um, They finally decided to give us blankets at one of those days and, and reluctantly gave us free hot dogs to eat while we're there. So we were hungry, we were cold, and then I caught the flu the last day. I was groaning, just aching to be home. This is what Paul is talking about, is this side of eternity, speaking to the Christians in Rome, and now us today, that as we wait for the full promises of God to be fulfilled in Christ's return and the resurrection of the dead, we groan. It's hard we just, we want to get to where we're going and what God has promised. I know I've mentioned this already, but let me say it again. What is creation waiting for? What are we waiting for as we grow? Well, we're waiting for God to finish what he started to fulfill his ultimate promise, which is the redemption of our bodies. When Paul uses that phrase, the redemption of our bodies, he's being very literal there, the resurrection of the dead, that when God created us in his image, he made us uh, bodily and spiritually, that both of those, all of who we are is significant and made in the image of God, and all of that will be resurrected when Christ returns. But when he says the redemption of the bodies, what Paul is really saying is, God's ultimate promise is that our whole self will be saved, the fullness of salvation. Paul says we're aching for that. Creation's aching for that. They're waiting for the redemption of our bodies, a new heaven and a new earth. In that same way, you just just wanna get home. That's how and why we grow Verse 26 also says something that just stands right out to us. It says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. So we know what our weakness is, but it declares to us that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. We're not left to ourselves in the midst of our groaning and our longing to get home or at least longing to get through the circumstances that we find ourselves We're not left to ourselves. In fact, the the word of God says the spirit helps us or I would say even fights for us. He knows our weaknesses and he fights. I mean, that's seriously a very encouraging word, right? That in the midst of our worst days, our lowest moments or when the circumstances around us seem the most difficult or even the consequences of our sin. The spirit of God doesn't rush in in disappointment. The Spirit of God doesn't rush in and condemn, judge. If we're children of God, that's not the function of the Spirit of God in those moments. No, rather than condemn or shame or embarrass us as believers, the Word of God says the Spirit comes and helps. He knows our weakness. The psalmist would say, God knows our frame, that we are dust. What an encouragement that the Spirit of God in us is ready to help us when we don't know how to help ourselves. How many times can we not see the see through the circumstances around us? How many times can we not piece it together? How many times do we feel overwhelmed by our own sin and much more the sin of others around us and just feel the weight and consequences of that. And we feel like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing. I don't know what's going on. It's hurting and I don't see how you can use this. Walk me through this. Lord, I don't know what you're doing and I don't know how you're gonna navigate all of this. And the Spirit of God steps into that moment when we lack That kind of knowledge. In fact, what does the verse say? When we lack even the ability to pray, we don't even know how to pray for all of this. The Spirit of God intercedes, helps us in our weakness. What a good word. When we can't add it all up or make sense of the world, when we can't see beyond our own suffering, he prays. He prays. How does he pray? Well, the word of God tells us that he prays according to the will of God. Verse 27, and the Father who knows all hearts, he's talking about our hearts, knows that the Spirit, knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And so the picture is, is, that as a child of God, you have the deposit of the Spirit of God in you. Our identity is transformed and reshaped because of the Spirit of God makes us children of God. And the father searches the hearts of his children and hears the groaning prayer of the Spirit of God in the heart of the believer. But what's remarkable is The Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. That simply means that when the Spirit of God prays, the Father always says yes to the Spirit's requests. There's never a time when the Holy Spirit prays in harmony with God's will that the Father says, no, not that one. I'll do these others, but not that one. But that's what Paul, Paul is saying, that we can trust that the Spirit of God knows our weakness, steps in, prays on our behalf, and 100% of the time, because he's praying in harmony with God's will, the Father says yes. And we have a clear picture of what his will is. In verse 28, Paul says, and we know. We know the kind of things that the Spirit is praying for. When we don't know how to pray, we know what kind of things the Spirit of God is praying for, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and called according to His purpose for them. For God knew His people in advance, and He chose them to become like His Son. That sounds like the will of God. So that his son would be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters. He's talking about the resurrection. When Jesus rose from the grave, he was born, so to speak. And he says, in the same way, you will be born in the resurrection, the first among many brothers and sisters. Verse 30, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. Paul is always setting his sights on what Jesus is doing and will finish. All of it's very eschatological. There's a great theological phrase for you. Paul's sights are always at the end. He says, God's will is that you're going to look like his son Jesus. You, You will have his glory. You will be glorified. And he's talking about the redemption of our bodies, the resurrection of the dead. He's like, Romans, right now you're in process and the world stinks all around you and you're suffering from the weight of your own sin and the sin of others, but the Spirit of God praying in according to the will of God is praying that he's gonna work all of that out so that will happen. So that you'll be fully redeemed, holy, completely, that God will finish his work. And it's God's will that he works all that out. Even on my worst return trips, even on my worst return trips, I never doubted I would get home. Now, some of you might have a different story. I've been stranded, I've been sick, I've been squashed with a giant of a person for hours, not being able to use a restroom. I felt like I was going to fall out of the sky. I've had people throw up near me while they were walking behind me. But never did I doubt in all of those circumstances, not once did I doubt, I'm gonna to get to where I'm going. Do you see what Paul's doing here? He's saying, listen, church, I I know life isn't easy. Uh, You have stepped out of the normal rhythms of culture and you've adopted new ones. And that's created some tension and you still wrestle with sin and you consequences of the sin of others. Life suffering happens as well and circumstances happen as well. But can I, can I just tell you, you can be confident that the Spirit of God in you, your identity is secure and your future is secure. You're going to get to where God is taking you. God will land the plane. God will land the plane. This promise is um, for a particular kind of people. In verse 28, he says, for God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. There's a qualifier there. And the qualifier is is this promise and confidence that we have in God belongs to those who have chosen to follow Jesus and receive the forgiveness of Christ and have set their sights on what God is doing through them and through the church in the world. We're called according to his purpose. And as we transition into a time of response, that's where I want you to think. Christian, if, if my encouragement for you is one, if you're in Christ, your identity is secure. But have you set your sights on the purposes of God? Are you looking towards that trajectory as well? Are you looking towards what God is doing and what he will finish when his son returns? Is that where your heart is bent? Or is that where you're longing for your heart to be? Is that how you're groaning? Will you groan in that way? Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus. Do you not want the kind of confidence knowing that your sins are forgiven and you're free to follow after what matters most? A life that God has for you, a real purpose that just doesn't last for a season, but for all time. Will you choose to follow Jesus today? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for uh, these words from Paul, these encouraging words that you will land the plane. That we can trust that your spirit prays on our behalf when we have nowhere else to go or don't even know how to pray, can't explain our circumstances. May we be confident, have great growing faith in who you are and what you're doing, that you'll get us there. Lord, I pray that you bless this time of response. Lord, I pray that you move and shape all of us according to your will, that you lead all of us to groan in the ways that we should be groaning, that we would set our sights on your kingdom. And Lord, for the one who doesn't yet know your son Jesus will today be the day of salvation. Will they put their faith in him alone? In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, amen.